The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Mick Shots, streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And we're finally back, almost all of us here <laughs> on Mick Shots in the SWBC podcast studio Drop at the, the Star on this Monday. Mickey Spagnola. Everson Walls joins me. Bill Jones off on his CBS 11 assignment. Today's uh, Landry Award Day uh, for the high schools. And so Coach of the Year Award. He's busy doing all those Player things. Player of the Year Award. Right, yeah. doing interviews. So Everson and I will try to hang in here. It seems like we haven't talked in a week. Well, yeah, that seems It's like almost it. that way, right? Yeah, you and I talked, though. We talked on Friday. Yeah, yeah I was trying to see if we can get the, the show going. And... and and that was good because I was driving at the time, so that <laughs> took up some time, right? <laughs> Somebody said, what do you do all that time when you're driving? I said, I call friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were trying to yeah, you were trying to make us do your time with you. That's right. We can't do your drive with you. So yeah, that's why the show would not have worked. Yeah. I was out of town, you were out of town. Well, the last time we had the show was Wednesday. Yeah. It's Monday. <laughs> right? And we weren't ready for that. No. Yeah, yeah. Wait, the last time we had the show was Tuesday. Oh, it was it Tuesday. Was Tuesday. It was Tuesday, not and Wednesday. We had to hurry up with our pick to clicks. We had no idea. How'd we do? I did okay. Let me see. I have I had what thirty one. Wait, I'm looking at the wrong wrong. I would have been close if not for the big fat man returning an intercept as he called himself. <laughs> it was the big fat man's dream, right? All right. Interception return for a touchdown. Which, by the way, that hadn't happened by a Cowboys defensive lineman since Jim 19- Jeffcoat. Tell ni- me, no, 1999. No. Greg Ellis. Oh, I was gonna say Jeff. Jeff but Jeffcoat rumbled best. one back yes, in and there. And then back in the day, Larry Cole. Used to always do pick sixes against the at that time the, the, the Washington the, the, Redskins. then Redskins. Right. He did, I believe, consecutive years. Had one. He returned pick sixes. It was something crazy like that. God, I was so young then, of course. So it was Tuesday. So you, it was Tuesday. So what do we got here? So for here's scores? what we have. Hold on. Here's what we have for pick to click. Uh, I had no. Bill had sixteen thirteen. And D-Law was going to be his pick-to-click. You had, no, I had Cowboys 24 to 16. That's pretty good. Not close. Uh, just look at that. Okay. And I had Dak over 300 yards. Mm. Real close. Yeah. Because right. he didn't get it. He didn't no, get, he did not. He didn't get it. And you had 28 to 20. No, 23. 20. 23. I can't read my, my chicken scratch. And Gallup was your pick-to-click. So we didn't do so well on. We, if well, we, you if know you put what? us all together, we did pretty good. Gallup, Gallup had there. five catches. Yes, he did. Yes, yes. Dak did well, except for the last. And we could definitely get into this. His last three possessions, I think he must have gone and taken a hit of some weed or something, man. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the most confusing last three possessions I've seen, especially after seeing his excellence. Uh, Prior to that, yeah, you know, just just putting them in there, and especially that one throw that went to like nobody. Uh, that was a couple of those, right? Yeah, yeah. and I'm I don't know if receivers or they weren't on the same page. I have seen him bark at more receivers now since uh, this whole 
three-game stretch of working with young guys, working with Cedric, right. working with Brown. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I think he kind of he, – he doesn't like doing that. He doesn't like doing that. So other than our picks, mm-hmm. your thoughts on winning that game on Thursday night in New Orleans, 27-17. Okay, here's what I here's what I, I see when I when I listen I listen to too much sports talk radio. I used to be good at not listening to that crap, but since we're part of that now, then I feel like I need to. And the more educated part of it. Yeah, yeah, we are the more educated part. Of it. I don't know what the heck they're talking about out there in the streets, but we always worry about how we win, right? You know, we got to be perfect. Everything's, you know, I'm nitpicking about last three series when he's making C.D. Lamb. Right. Dak is making C.D. Lamb catch him. You know what I mean? He, 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 you either have no choice but to catch he him. He's stuck him inside he his. He's stuck like, so many inside. <laughs> I, was, I was amazed at that. And it wasn't like he was going for the home run. He was taking what they give him, which is how you got to play on the road, especially against a decent more than decent defensive team with the Saints. Which was came in at number three against the run, by the Let's way. Let's look at the, the, the last three Super Bowl seasons we've had, of course, with the Aikman teams, the, the triplets and, and Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, the defense that we had at the time, including Dion and Charles Haley, uh, Ken Norton Jr. This is, you know, they always won ugly. Mm-hmm. They always won ugly, and no one had any complaints. There were times when, you know, you might, Troy might throw for 215 yards. And they, but they were good 215. And you had Emmett doing this thing. We were riding, we were riding that Emmett Smith wave. We were riding that train. And we were okay with that. Defense every once in a while give up something stupid. But for, for overall, they had the game in the bag. Right. This is how this game was. And, and when you think of all the things that were piled up against them going Thank into you. that game, Thank right? Thank you. Two-game losing streak, had lost three of the last four. They loudest, basically, loudest stadium right? in the NFL. And then you had to deal with COVID last week. So they really didn't. They had like maybe one full practice uh, losing players, losing the coaching staff. And, and, and this is what, when I did my radio segment on Friday, which, by the way, I did stop to do it. I, did, <laughs> I told I, you. I quit driving yes, 75 yes. miles an hour, you, you, right? You hit 190 and you found yeah. the exit, right? <laughs> I got uh, I, before that, actually, because I, I hadn't got past the – and I made those guys laugh, so I, it was time to pull off. And it was the Donaldsonville exit. And I said, okay, this is poetic justice because that's my dad's hometown. <laughs> wow. Right? Oh, that's, that's where cold. he grew up. That's where he wow. was born, right? Yes. And that's the one I was at when I yes. pulled over, right? Uh, but anyway, I was saying, look at all the things they were – No, neither of the offensive line coaches, right? Uh, their uh, offensive assistant, Scott Tolzien, he was out with COVID. Two of the three strength and conditioning coaches were out with COVID for that game, and all three of them during the week when they didn't, they didn't open the weight room. Uh, virtual meetings, you don't have your head coach, all this going against them and <clears throat> playing the third game in 12 days. Yes, that's the main thing right there. Spence. And this was this was a tired, I think, team, maybe it mentally was. too. Yes. And they won. Good. And so my lead, and I'm glad you brought it up, was there's nothing wrong with an ugly win. Nothing at all. And I went back in history. You know, you would think I would read your articles, but I don't. But you should because you probably know what I'm going to write. So anyway, my point was, and I brought this up in my column, I said, 
1983, the Chicago White Sox won the uh, the uh, Central your Division, team, your team, my team, your Central team. Division, and qualified for the American League playoffs for the first time since 1959. And about middle of the season, <clears throat> and by the way, they ended up winning 99 games and had a 20-game lead on the second-place team, right? <laughs> middle of the season, the Rangers manager, Doug Rader, said that team wins ugly. Well, guess what? That became their battle cry. Mm -hmm. And look oh, what look I found. You. Look what I found here, Chris. And I don't know if you I can like see that. it. I like that. Winning ugly. How old is that thing? 1983. <laughs> it's yellow, right? Oh, yes, it is. It's a little dingy if you can't see. And that became their battle cry. And they had no problems winning ugly. Like, you know, get a walk, a bunt, base hit, a walk, a bunt, a steal of sacrifice, fly, whatever it took to win, right? And they that was their battle cry, and that's when that first started, winning ugly. But when you look at this team, let's just remember how young it is. This is an extremely young team. Our veteran quarterback, what is he, 26? Seven. 27? I mean, you're talking about trying to lead a team that can be somewhat temperamental, doesn't know what it's like to play this three-game stretch, you know, when you have, when you look at the veterans on this team, a lot of them are getting nearly as much play playing time as the younger guys who don't know what it's like to play through this. They were probably second-teamers last year or on another team last year. Now they're going through this stretch. This was a very unique stretch that is only unique to the Dallas Cowboys themselves and whoever their opponents are. So you got to look at this as a win, just win. You know what I mean? You a don't win is a win is a win. A win is a win. And – we, like I said, we can complain all we want. I, I'd rather look at the good things that we did. How many interceptions did we have? Four. Four interceptions. And who got one of them? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my man got one of them. So now. That's nine. That's nine. So, yeah, he, that's 1985. Yeah, he's. Five yeah, games. Yeah, that ties that's, 85. That's, that ties right? 85. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was one of my worst years. So, no, that was. that. That's something that I can still. Uh, brag about. And you know what? And Let's it was, look at who he hasn't caught yet. Right. Mel Renfro. Right. Had 10. Mel right? Renfro had 10. So let's not forget it. And all, as my ego gets blown up as this goes on, <laughs> let's not forget, man, the guy that I always idolized and had to catch up to myself. I think the last regular season game against the Philadelphia Eagles, I broke the record. I think it was the last game against Philadelphia. So you're looking at a guy, all God, Dion before Dion. Uh, his long jump was uh, was Olympic qualifying. Right. Uh, his speed was 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 uh, unmatched by any other defensive back, and he was just a he he had all of that with instincts. Mm -hmm. He didn't just come up on something because he had speed. You know, he was kind of like Deion to Not only did he know where you were going already, you know, he's going to beat you there. And so those are the kind of players that were just unbeatable. So here you got ten interceptions. That digs, that's his next hurdle. And uh, I've been missing him because he hadn't gotten one, what, in the last four games? It had been, no, he, well, I, I can't remember. I think it's, I, let's say he it's was at stuck least on the eight. last three games he stuck on it. And that's kind of how I was, I believe, after the, I think it was the Dolphins game or the Rams game in 81. For a while, man, you just got to play some solid ball. 
And, you know, and, and that's what he was doing because yes. they had a, a, an under-over coverage on that. He was the under guy, and Taysom Hill didn't read it because he thought he was lobbing one to a wide-open guy. It's a cover, too. And he was trailing underneath and was able to pick it off. So he became one of four players in the NFL since 2010 to have at least nine interceptions. The most was Xavier Howard, mm-hmm. 10, I believe. Last that, year. Last year. Yes. Also, From Dallas, Texas, right? Also, J.C. Jackson had nine last year. Okay. And then wow. Tim Jennings, I think it was 2010, 11, somewhere in there, had nine. See, they don't want to go too far back because I recall Mark Carrier. Yeah, there was Tampa, a lot of Tampa guys. Tampa Bay, with, there was safety. A, there was a list this long of <laughs> guys 10. that had nine. Nine and ten. Nine, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So, anyway, four interceptions. Um, a pick six by a big man. Pick six by yes, the big sir. guy going 29 yards uh, to seal the game mm-hmm. that was still in doubt, right? At some point, you got to win these games. You know, I keep saying that, and no one seems to believe it. Uh, now, we'll go forward, and we'll see if the things that everybody was upset about, you know, was that game or they've got big problems. Right. But it was a win, uh, they're eight and four with a two-game lead in the NFC East, and there's only, I think, if I remember correctly, two teams that have a better record than them in the NFC. I think That's in the, the NFL. Packers. Well, the Packers and the, the Packers, and, Packers the, and, and the Cardinals and the Cardinals, yes. right? Everybody and else you're right, is in the NFL. And, That's and in the NFL, so eight and four. Uh, my guess is. Had had they won eight games last year, they would have won the NFC East. <laughs> and now they got five games to go, right? So progress, right? That's true. And 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 again, they can't win the Super Bowl in week thirteen. You gotta play this thing out. Uh and Well, it always sounds so easy to criticize right. because we're not out there playing. Yeah. And most of the people doing the criticism hadn't even ever played ball in their lives. But they know what it look, what good ball looks like, so therefore they think they're experts. And it didn't look good, but it was a victory. It was a after victory. all that, right? Um, it's like I tried to explain to guys all week long. What did we talk about? Well, how's it going to affect this team that Mike McCarthy's not there as the head coach? How's it going to affect this team that Dan Quinn has to do both? manage the game as the head coach, but also call the defense, and not from up above where he's used to doing it, on the sideline, right? Uh, what's it going to be like when they come off the field on offense? Who's going to talk to the offensive line? Because neither of the offensive line coaches are there. If it was so easy to just switch hats like that, to just change hats and wear different hats, then the greatest defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators that have gotten head coaching jobs, then they should have automatically been Super Bowl winners right right off the bat. Most of the times, it does not work out. And so that's the difficulty that you're talking about facing. Being an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator is totally different from being a head coach. Everyone can't do that. And it's not like you just roll it out there and say, okay, you just put one coach downstairs and another coach upstairs, and that's it. No, it's about being comfortable and where you are are, are the best at doing your job. Dan Quinn's better at being a defensive coordinator when he's up in the booth. Right. And that's just all it is. You can't be a that same defensive coordinator when you're not using your own eyes and ears to see from upstairs. And you basically had CeeDee Lamb coming back. Was it the second? He missed the game and a half. He missed the game and a half. Uh, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Now, 
Cooper ends up playing, and we said that he would play, but not as he only played 24 snaps, but he had one huge Ooh, catch, right? Man. Lamb Great ended up too. with uh, 62 out of 70 snaps, so he about played uh, the entire game. Um, and he returned some punts, didn't he? Uh, initially, yeah, yes, yeah. he did. You didn't have Cedric Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was huge. Basically, that was your huge. Fourth, fourth receiver. That was huge, right? yeah. And that's why he was returning those initial punts. Yes. Uh, and then they put Diggs back for the one. Which, I saw that. Boy, when it started, it looked good, and then it just kind of <laughs> ended like, immediately. I better, I better go down right now. Right. <laughs> that was the 12 yards, though. Give right, 12. exactly. So mm-hmm. they were up against a whole bunch. Demarcus Lawrence playing for the first time since the season opener. They had a pitch count on him, and I remember asking him after the game, uh, so did you play more than the pitch count? He goes, yeah, I wasn't counting, but I, I – Got a feeling I did. Well, mm-hmm. he played 37 snaps. Nice. But you know what? There were 37 impactful. really. He was impactful. Yeah, really yes. impactful snaps. Mm-hmm. You're, you're exactly right. Uh, so when you look at all that, what they were facing, uh, and a quarterback that would rather run the ball than throw it, uh, you know, there was a couple of plays where I don't know if they were, they were third downs, and it's like, well, what did they think they were going to do? <laughs> He's going to run the ball. He's not throwing it. I think his best running play is to actually attempt to pass and then and take just off. take off. That's that's when he's his most dangerous because everything is spread out for him at that Plus, time. Plus, they were fortunate. He he sprained his middle finger on his throwing hand. He had a splint on it. Well, to, to say fortunate is one thing. He was fortunate to get out of there sometimes. Right. So, yeah, to say that, he's fortunate to be able to use his hand because the pressure was coming. It wasn't just like it was the one time we had pressure. He happened to be throwing the ball. No, he was under duress almost the entire game. So, when I talk about the the teams, some of my favorite gut teams, Pittsburgh, Ravens, mm-hmm. you know, how they win games under these weird conditions. And, and you're like, you know, well, how did they pull that off? This wasn't quite that for the Cowboys, but you definitely had some uh, adverse conditions that could have easily led to excuses to lose this ball game. So and that's, Cow- that's why, how I feel like we, we matured this week. The Cowboys had two sacks. Uh, they had six tackles for losses. They had six quarterback hits. But this was the key one. Passes defense. Yes. They had nine. Wow. Right? Nine. So, yeah, it wasn't pretty offensively. I get it. They were two of 13 uh, on third down conversion. Seven of their 14 possessions were three and outs. Uh, and, and it, it, you know, basically they scored 20 points. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, um, in the last, in four of those last six games, they've scored 20, 16, 9, and then 27, but really 20 yeah. uh, on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after a 5 and 1 start, they've gone 3 and 3. Mm-hmm. So uh, that average over those four games, I just mentioned 18 points a game, and that's with the 27. And uh, the problem we have with that, what goes along with that on both sides, is the running game. We are not able to run and support our, our uh, passing game, and we are not able to stop the run either, which keeps our offense off the field. Right, and that'll be big, both of those, in this next game against Washington. I think we're just getting accustomed to it. That's what we're doing. We're getting ready for that. So, so the totals, when you look at totals, you know, running the ball, they were 24 for 146. 
But two of those runs were <laughs> 91 <huge>. yards. <laughs> right. A 58-yard touchdown run by Tony Pollard. And then they called the pass play to uh, CeeDee Lamb a run instead of a catch, and that mm-hmm. was 33 yards. Right. So I figured out they were 22 for 91 or two and a half yards per carry. Well, now, let's, let's remember I talked about this. When we played against the Bears 46 defense, Tom Landry always talked about it's going to be tough, guys. You, there's going to be many plays where you get zero or minus yardage, but you have to look for the break. The break is going to come, but you got to continue to do your job. And it's like I talk about with those stubborn teams. We have to remain stubborn. We can't just give up on the run. Just because they stop it, <laughs> then we'd be like Seattle against New England in the Super Bowl. Oh, we're stacked up on the line of scrimmage. We can't, we can't think about running the ball on third and inches or, or third and goal. You know, let's just throw the ball. Well, yeah, that's what happened in Malcolm Butler's a hero. So just do what you're supposed to do. Be stubborn. Who, that's what football's about, right? Who is the most stubborn? They're the ones that wins. And then you break one and – all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there yeah, you go. That worked. There so you go. this game, to me, was more about plays uh, than consistently moving the football and even defensively stopping consistently it's about, the Saints. It's about guts. And they made plays. And we guts. will talk about some of those plays right. next here on Mix Shots on DallasCowboys.com. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. Brace yourself for an existential question. Has your butt been having enough fun lately? Have you been treating it well? Has it been going places? If not, then it's about time you start using SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best way to get your butt tickets to live events. Just ask the thousands of other butts who have rated it the number one ticketing app. So what are you waiting for? Download the app now or visit SeatGeek.com to get tickets to sports, concerts, and live events and make your butt happy. SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat. How great would it be to travel to watch the Cowboys win on another team's turf? Pretty great. But honestly, just watching the game from anywhere but your house would be fun. Even a hotel bar with some guy named Phil from St. Louis who thinks Oakland still has a team. So whether you're traveling to the game or watching from your favorite vacation spot, book a place to stay on Hotels.com. Proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At AT AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Back, back, to mixed shots. Give the gift of the Cowboys this season with the Dallas Cowboys United Membership. 
presented by Globe Life. It's the ultimate fan, <laughs> fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. Memberships start at just $20 and include an exclusive fan pack and VIP membership experiences. Tis the season. Visit the DallasCowboys.com slash United to get yours today. I had to start laughing because you were talking about how I read so slowly. <laughs> and you realized you yeah, were. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. So you wouldn't be good on 30-second spots, <laughs> No, right? I'd be running right through it if I could. All right, we returned here on Mick Shots. Everson Walls, Mickey Spagnola, Bill Jones is away on CBS 11 assignment. This is for you, William. As we, we didn't even do the victory song, Oh, man. we forgot. Oh, my goodness. Well, we may have to play it Chris, coming man, back from the been next break. It, bro. Chris got it. It's been, well, I told you, it's been a while since we've done I the know, darn man. show. We always depend on Chris. So we left off talking stuff. about big plays and um i don't know about you but for me uh, yeah tony pollard's 58 yard touchdown run right uh we mentioned amari cooper the 41 yard catch uh carlos watkins interception return for a touchdown <laughs> but to me the play of the game was micah parsons uh on third and two yes. from the Cowboys 26 yard line. The game was 20 to 10 mm-hmm. at that time, and we we're going into the first play of the fourth quarter. First play of the fourth quarter, and they're going to score something there, right? They're at the 26, third and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, when you always wonder why people call plays that they did, the Saints decided they were going to throw <laughs> while Taysom Hill was running the ball 11 times for 101 yards, right? And they called the pass play, and Micah Parsons broke through. And I don't think Taysom Hill figured out how sudden this kid plays because he thought he was going to run away from him. And the next thing you know, he sacks him for – not only a sack, but 11-yard loss. Man. Took him out of at least a field goal range, right? And potentially getting a first down and scoring a touchdown, and now suddenly it's 2017, right? He, he, he was like a shark. Right. You know, when, it, when a shark comes at you, as it gets closer. It gets faster. It gets faster. <laughs> and that's what he did. It's like because you, first you're like, oh, crap. You know what I mean? Here he comes because you know it's coming. But then there's the realization of just how much space has closed in a short amount of time. And so now you're, you're, you're not just surprised. Now you're alarmed because you could actually lose the ball. Because others, right, then you're saying O.S. Right, right. And, and so now you're trying to figure out what, not, I'm not trying to salvage the play. I'm trying to protect the ball now. And there are times when that usually comes out. But it was amazing that Hill could just even hold on to it. Dan Quinn early when he was talking about the attributes of Micah Parsons, he said he is so sudden. And I thought that's the that's it. that's it. He's sudden. He just all of a sudden he's on top of you, right? And, and so to me, that play right there kind of preserved the Cowboys' lead 
uh, and, and you know they kind of cling, cling on, cling on, clung on, clung on. Eh? Yeah, clung on <laughs> uh, until they got to uh, the interception, which was funny because when they got the interception, it was you know several minutes left in the game. So I'm packing up to go down because previously, although they speeded it up, maybe it's because it's Caesar's Superdome. Yeah, uh, the elevator to the press box was the slowest elevator in the United <laughs> States. So I'm going, okay, I better go down. Right. right. So I go down, and by the time I get on the field, the Cowboys got the ball. And I was like, well, what the hell happened? Mm-hmm. And Chris goes, well, they kicked off. I go, what do you mean they kicked off? I didn't see they had scored the right, touchdown right. To, to get to 17, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, yeah, so to me, that play right there uh, was huge, forcing them to punt from their 37-yard line. Let's think about this. And Troy brought it up. We already knew it. Every game, he's almost the fastest person on the field. In every game. Good point. That's that's crazy. When 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 you think about that, it's just this is your linebacker. This is two hundred what forty fifty pounds. Almost fifty. I think they officially put him at two forty six. And he doesn't even look like it. No. And that's scary as well. So it's almost like watching uh, uh, the running back from the Titans. It's almost like watching Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. That, it's that amazing. Oh, could you imagine a matchup between those two guys? <laughs> I just thought about that. That would be crazy. I still want him to put the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, he's on punt coverage, right? Uh, maybe he can pick yeah, one up, right? Uh, as Fossil has pointed out, he, he wants a return punts. I mean, no. kicks, kickoffs. No, he wants no. them. To, he wants no. to return kickoffs, and he goes, "No, we'll." we'll I don't even we'll like get that, that look. I don't even like that look. No, I don't like that. Mm-mm. All I know is, and I mentioned this before on the show, uh, Franklin, the the head coach at Penn State, uh, had said during the draft that had Micah Parsons played that that COVID year, that he was going to have him return kickoffs at Penn State. At Penn State. Because he yeah. was that good of a well, he fast. was a running back, and in he high was, school. yeah. And was he recruited as a running back? No, I think they recruited him as a defensive end, and then they turned him into. He, he's got too much speed to play defensive end, linebacker. He's more free to go and do different things, right? And now the fact that you've got Demarcus Lawrence back, it looks Who like played his butt off. Randy Gregory is going to be back. Okay. Uh, so now you got your defensive ends, you know, your top and see, four these guys. Are, these are things that, that is no, no one ever talks about. No, they do all the during narrative. the week, but when yes. the game happens, then all it's like, oh, well. Well, they, it's, it's, and I'm, I'm talking about these guys that really they're not, they don't have any, any credibility necessarily as uh, really people that know sports. They're just good at talking sports. And so when you think about that, you're talking about the, really, they're just glorified fans. And, but I, what I want them to see is you're so biased against the Cowboys in, in what they do and how they do it. You say, ah, Cowboys should win this game. You, and, but you say that hoping they lose <laughs> so that you can criticize. They don't, believe, they don't think they should win it because of any particular formula. They just think they should win it because they see all the talent on the team. Well, what you see is Randy Gregory's out. We haven't played with, with uh, Demarcus Lawrence. What you see is what we have on the field, but what are we missing? And when that depth is affected, you got new guys playing, you've got other guys playing longer than they should. Now they're five and one. It's not as easy to achieve the next six games. And that's what we're dealing with. And so that's why you need to have gutsy wins. You need to have coaches that understand that, which I believe our coaches and our, our 
veteran players understand that this is an, ex an extremely rare stretch of games, these three games. Now, how we come out of this, to me, that's going to tell how how we're going to go, how we're going to, to go into the, the playoffs. Right. It's how we come out of this, and I love the challenge, and we can talk about it later on, the NFC East challenge that's coming up for us right now. I think it's perfect timing for us to show just what we can do. And, and going back to Parsons, so talking about that was his 10th sack, uh, and there's <sighs> 13 uh, NFL rookies with 10-plus sacks uh, in a season. Uh, the Cowboys' uh, rookie record, uh, 16 games, was was oh, eight by Ware, oh, and then and then overall, uh, Harvey Martin and Willie Towns had, I believe, it was nine, one in '73 and the other one in 1966. Mm -hmm. Those were their rookie years. So, yeah, uh, what he's done has been awfully uh, remarkable. And, and not playing defensive end full time, he did it kind of as a fill-in guy for what three three games maybe, and now he's back at linebacker. And and I should have memorized this, but here's his line in the game: five combined tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits, and he had that pass covered downfield. That ended up getting deflected yes. Woo, that and, was and intercepted by Curse, right? That was a great play overall. Hell of a pass, by the way. Yes. He was going to lay that thing in there. Yeah. Parsons, like, no, nah, brother. That's yeah. not happening. You ain't getting it there. And for Jayron, I mean, he had Diggs there, who, if he wasn't out of bounds, he probably would have reached for it. And of course, with Jayron, Curse coming up with such a heads up play. These young men give up plays. Of course they do. But. All, their minds and their eyes are always on the quarterback, and they seem to always be ready to make not just a good play, but an amazing play. They're not just satisfied with the knockdown. They're going for the great play. That's what happens when you have a guy like Parsons. And you have a guy like J. Ron Kirsch, and let's, let's just be real. He has the same mentality as any other player on this defense. No more, no less. And that's what I like about it. We, we love Parsons and how he approaches the game. But he's not the only one that approaches it in that manner. And you can see it on the field. Because Curse's numbers are always high, just well, as Parsons. Here's how high they were in this game. Nine tackles, eight of those solo, two tackles for losses, an interception, a pass defensed. And... Oh, no, the force fumble was uh, Anthony Brown, mm -hmm. who led him with 10 tackles, by the way. Anthony Brown. Yes. So here, before we go to break, I noticed what the Saints were doing. With the Cowboys playing so much man, they were playing these tight bunch formations with their receivers. Of course. And then they're crisscrossing. That's how they right? got Brown. Yeah. And, and that's how they got him on that mm -hmm. one play. So what is the technique for a cornerback when you've got these guys and – do you do you get away from playing man, or do you just have to fight through? Because it's not a pick. They're they're actually using your other defender yes. to pick off their teammate. Yes. Well, you have to coordinate. You can't have both guys on. You have to have one guy off, one guy on. If you have two guys off, then make sure that the priority is the down and distance. If you're gonna if you're going to play soft on someone, you don't play soft on the guy going towards the end zone. You play soft on the guy that runs the, the shorter route, and then you react upward. So if you're playing both off, it's almost like a zone technique, but you're just in and out on two receivers. To me, the best way to go, one guy up, one guy off, 
You take care of him. He can't. You wherever can, he goes. Wherever he goes, you, you're going to stop him from picking off my defensive back, my fellow defensive back, because he's off the line of scrimmage. And that gives him a chance to read. Brown was the more susceptible. From the, from the lineup, from the alignment and from the lineup. He should have known that that is a possibility. There's no way you should get up. All of you guys get up in the jam technique when you have a bunch formation. That was a mistake from the beginning. So I don't know why Brown even got up there in the first place. Number two, every route that's hit you big has been inside. Yes. So just line up off and inside. Let them have the sideline. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's it's a it's an eight ten yard route. You line up, you play another down, as opposed to a quick six. Because if you don't get pressure and they've got that much time to run from the right side of the formation, and we saw it last week with Deshaun Jackson, yeah. right? Yes, he goes all the way to the left side and makes a catch. When you when you have a bunch formation, let's make sure we designate right away. You go up on the line of scrimmage. I'm off. You got your man. I got mine. I'll play off of it. There you go. You get that on mix shots only here on <laughs> DallasCowboys.com. And when we come back, we'll discuss some of the things that the Cowboys do need to improve on if they're going to continue uh, and start another winning streak here on DallasCowboys.com. The Medal of Honor is our country's highest military award for valor in combat. More than 40 million individuals have served in the armed forces since the Civil War. Fewer than 4,000 have received the Medal of Honor. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a place to preserve these legacies and inspire America. It's being built right next door to the Dallas Cowboys in Texas. Help us honor our country's greatest heroes. Learn more and get involved at mohmuseum.org. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. The Cowboys way where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. Back, 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 to Mick Shots. Registration for holiday youth camps is now open. 
Don't miss the Dallas Cowboys Football Academy and Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders Dance Academy camps on December 21st at the Star in Frisco and December 22nd at AT&T Stadium. Space is limited, so register today at DallasCowboys.com slash academy. Was that fast enough for you? Sweet. <laughs> Picked it. up that, that pace. Pick up the pace, baby. Let's go. Let's Very go. Good. Let's go. As we continue here on Mix Shots, uh, Cowboys uh, today are basically doing weight training. I think the weight room's finally reopened. Um, they will do conditioning work, and the coordinators were uh, doing their weekly uh, media sessions started uh, about nine minutes ago. So, uh, we'll hear what they've had to say after we finish this show. Uh, Dan Quinn getting a victory. Yes. It's been a while since he's had a head coach. Because I think they started off 0-5 last year in Atlanta, and that's why he ended up getting fired. That, but he's, he's, he's uh, kind of closing a few loops here. He right? came back and, and uh, beat uh, – Atlanta. Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. Right? That's the first thing. Came back and beat Bill, Bill Belichick, and, and that was our first victory since, like, 86 in Mass. And uh, the Falcons, like beat you said, the Falcons. closed that door. And now, and he's, now as a head coach. As the head coach, he won That's one. Right the wrong, baby. That's what I'm talking And somehow about. they, you know, were able to kind of, as Mike McCarthy talked about on Friday, um, you know, the, everybody stepped up and did what they were asked to do and yes. were capable of doing it with Dan Quinn. We talked about him doing both. <laughs> uh, Lunda Wells coaching the tight ends, but also the offensive line. Uh, ben McAdoo going up top in the, in the, in the coach's box. Uh, so they had a lot of guys uh, as Dan Quibb. There's, how did he put it? No job that isn't your job, basically, he said when uh, he did his deal last week. And so... Uh, they were able to survive that game, uh, no matter how ugly it was. Uh, but there are things the Cowboys got to get better at, and we know that. And one of them is being able to effectively run the football and yeah. continuing uh, to struggle uh, with that. And, and we pointed out the yards they gained other than the two big plays. Um, to me, it comes down to, and Stephen Jones said it today on his radio segment, the offensive line has to be better. It has to be more coordinated. Uh, they need more continuity on the offensive line. And if that improves, then the running game improves. And I hear everybody talking about Dak and what's the problem. Well, if the offensive line is not playing well on the run game, does that mean, oh, but they're doing a heck of a job protecting <laughs> no, the quarterback? they are not. And they're not. <clears throat> he is under so much pressure every time he passes the ball. And we, we've mentioned it many times on the on the show before that, that Dak is one of the best. It's been noted that he's one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the pocket under pressure. So that's one of those things that we should be thankful for because he's getting a lot of pressure. When you look at the, the, the touchdown that we scored on the, on the running play by Pollard, everyone did their job perfectly. Right. Not just talking about the offensive lineman. Uh, one of the wide receivers Malik came in. Turner. Malik shielded him off perfectly. Uh, I believe Schultz uh, turned someone outside, and they stayed with their blocks. And as I looked at all of it, the offensive lineman on the left side, they shielded off people with just enough time to where the weakness was created in the hole. Uh, I believe it was uh, McGovern 
he ran his man all the way down, I believe 10, 15 yards down the field, and was still had contact with him. We talked about maintaining and continuing contact as an offensive lineman. That's, that's the toughness that they need. It's not coordination. You have to whip that man and not just the initial contact, but stick with the contract as you drive through. That's how other teams are able to take average backs and get above average yards. And that's why we have these above-average backs who are getting below-average yards because our offensive linemen are not staying with their blocks as they did on that pilot play. It was typical of how you're supposed to block a successful running play. And he shocked him with his speed, too. (laughs) Because 43, (laughs) he thought he had the angle on him, and all of a sudden— he goes, oh, no, I'm losing ground here. <laughs> he's trying to play it safe. I don't know what he was doing. This is a guy that every once in a while, he's the one that gave up the pass to, I believe it was uh, Diggs, uh, the, the miracle in New Orleans. Oh, where okay. The, the Vikings end up winning the game. Well, yeah, he was the guy that's supposed to make the interception. He didn't do either. He didn't want to commit pass interference. He didn't want to uh, 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 hit, hit the guy too soon, and he, and he didn't do anything and he ended up losing one of the bigger games in Saints uh, history. So he's had that, that, that knack to do something like that. But consistently on both sides, we have been inconsistent. I mean, we talk about versus the run. We know what Taysom Hill is going to do. And, yes, we talk about our team was tired. And, boy, they just that's one of those games you just got to gut it out. But we, we still, in that process, we were still consistent in giving up too many running yards. And big plays in the passing game, too. And he wasn't throwing the ball very well, either. Uh, but too many big plays in the, in the running game. Um, you know, he's got a long of 24 yards that on that one play. That yeah. was the one he hurdled, whoever he hurdled. That was uh, Casey. So when, when quarterbacks do that as a defensive guy, do you just like, I'm going to get that <laughs> – I'm just gonna, and when I get him, I'm gonna really nail him. Well, right? yeah. Well, Casey's like smaller than me, yeah. and Taysom's like 240 pounds, so he ain't gonna get nobody unless he's not looking. Right. So all he has to do is just keep on making plays. And I must admit, I saw some people out there that are still as consistent as can be under these tough situations. I thought Schultz played a, a really good game. Blocking is still tough. But he made some catches for us that kept the chains moving. Right. And I know Dak put it in there tight, but you still got to go get it. And watching him make some of those big plays on those out routes against a very good uh, strong safety in Jenkins, uh, that's something that you just can't take for granted. You know, when you see Amari Cooper come in, we know he's hobbling, meaning physically. I don't mean that he's, you know, got knee problems or, or lower leg problems. Just you know, when you come into a game like that, you got to be a little cloudy after missing two games with freaking COVID, right? And just, man, the Dak threw that thing up there and he just, he plucked it out like he just picked a, a, a lemon from a tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, just the way he just reached up and got it. That's the kind of thing you just can't take for granted, but we do. And having that luxury, that's something that Dak realizes he has. That's something these coaches realize. And I don't think that's why they're panicking right now because. That's the guts that you show, the consistency from those, those players. That's what you need in a game like this because you could be easily going, oh, man, Schultz not catching it today. Oh, man, there go Coop. He's not ready today. No, but they didn't give you that opportunity to do that because they came through. And, so, and, the, and the guys they had coming back, Tyron Smith, so he had missed a week or two, wasn't practicing that much. 
You mentioned CD coming back, Amari coming back. Uh, Gallup, that was just his second game back. Looking good, too, and man. D-Law, his first game back. He looked the, good, too. And think about what he did. And, and you know, his his line uh, wasn't bad for a guy that was playing <laughs> his first game in, in quite some time. Uh, you know, he had two tackles. He had a tackle for a loss and two uh, two. Uh, he actually had two passes defensed at yes, the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. in 34, One of them 37 the face. snaps. One of them yes, in the face. Yeah. So, uh, so you got to get these guys back in the swing of things. You would hope the COVID thing disappears this week, and you get back to practicing in a normal. You're going to have consistency right. now. We have 10 days to get ready for the next game. And you've got these players that are going to capitalize. And they've had enough rest because they had basically Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Um, get back in here today lightly and then get back to practicing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And when are you going to do your job your and get, me the, get the report? The report for? <laughs> injury report. Oh, the injury report. Yeah. The first one will come out on Wednesday. Wednesday. After okay. our show. After, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's where they're at. Going forward, 8-4, and four, still two-game lead in the NFC East. And now the showdown with yes. Washington that we will get into tomorrow in depth on a team that has won four consecutive games after starting. Bring it on, baby. I believe they started the we'll season see you off when we see one you. and five. We so will see you when we see it's you. It's time. That's All right. right. For Everson Walls, I'm Mickey Spagnola. That's Mick Shots on DallasCowboys.com. Go Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-